Artificial intelligence is here. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Daniel Lopez. This is the AI Education Conversation, where we explore the opportunities, risks, and the impacts of AI across education. Let's jump in. Hey, what's up, everyone? Hope the month of May is treating you well. We've had a couple of days of good weather up here in my neck of the woods, so I'm very much good vibes as we appear to be over this cold and gray season. It's been a while since I've done some testing on AI tools uh, on the podcast here, and so I wanted to hold time today to do my most ambitious showcase yet, an interview with ChatGPT. So before I jump into that and share a little bit more of how that's going to work, wanted to jump into a few AI updates as I do every episode. So for weeks now, we've been speculating around what type of impact AI might have on work and industry, and we got some inf- interesting information and data to answer that question last week. So a lot of folks, especially in higher ed, may know of the company Chegg. So Chegg, which is a company that does a lot of online guidance to students for taking tests, writing essays, those types of things, their stock plummeted big time last week. It plummeted 42%. Um, and as you might be asking why, or might feel pretty logical at this point. The reason it plummeted is because the CEO warned that the ChatGPT tool is threatening the growth of its subs- subscription services um, as generative AI potentially continues to upend industries or companies like Chegg. The CEO said specifically, in the first part of the year, we saw no noticeable impact from ChatGPT on our new account growth and we were meeting expectations on new signups. However, since March, we saw a significant spike in student interest in ChatGPT. We now believe it's having an impact on our new customer growth rate. And this at the same time that in addition to having their stock, plum, uh, stock plummet, they uh, reduced their expectations for revenue and subscriptions for the future as well. So, you know, given all this publicity around AI, around ChatGPT, obviously I started this podcast in January because of the same media hype and because of my same experience using some of these tools, it definitely doesn't surprise me that industries like Chegg, which there's been a lot of conversation related to AI tools around the essay creation, right? Everybody, when they think of ChatGPT, one of the first things they heard is that this thing can write essays or do the homework for people. So it doesn't make, it, it makes a lot of sense to me that a company built around doing homework or writing essays is gonna see a big impact around this. So that doesn't surprise me too much. It does make me wonder, though, how many other companies that maybe aren't so directly related to AI that might be experiencing layoffs. I've unfortunately, you know, looking at my LinkedIn and a lot of other places I've seen across a lot of ed tech sectors, a lot of nonprofit sectors, a lot of um, just general technology technology companies. I've seen there that there's been quite a few layoffs happening across the board here. And... I wonder if a lot of that is related to AI or as of the results in AI, because there's also a lot of other external things happening right now. And it makes me wonder how much those types of negative, negative impacts are related to that, right? See things such as, you know, the interest rates, you know, for the housing market and the Fed interest rates continue to rise a lot. The financial system, obviously we've seen a couple of uh, smaller, medium sized banks fail and there's been some kind of rumblings and some impacts there. There's also a lot of companies I know have this fear of uh, a recession 
right, that will, that is going to be here or that they believe we're already inside of. And there's been a lot of, uh, I think, uh, cutting back related to that as well. So it's, it's, it is a little bit difficult to sift out how much of it is directly related to AI versus some of these external factors. I think in the Chegg case, obviously, the reason the stock plummeted was directly related to AI, but I want us to hold these things as well. The other thing it's also making me think about is, you know, in the last couple of weeks, I talked quite a bit about these, these AI-generated music uh, songs that have come out, the fact that, you know, video continues to become more sophisticated, images become more sophisticated. It really makes me wonder what types of jobs or industries will see a boom as a result of AI, right? So some may end up receding or scaling back, but I would imagine that there's also going to be a lot of opportunities specifically related to those things. I, I believe personally with some of the announcements of Grimes and other artists that might come out and say something the same, I do think that that opens up kind of a window at this point for AI producers, folks who might know some of these AI tools really well, have a very creative you know, brain and be able to put together really cool songs like Ghostwriter 577 from TikTok, whoever, whoever that person is. Um, and, you know, that might pop up as a, as a potentially really lucrative opportunity for these AI producers who actually know how to use these tools really well, can create really cool songs and might be able to get some of their own type of royalties alongside an artist for, for being able to use those tools to generate it. So this is definitely a bigger conversation. I'm going to definitely continue to be on the lookout for more data and more information that'll give us a bigger picture of AI's impact on the workforce. I think we're only, only really starting to see some of the rumblings, you know, in the last like four months. I imagine that over the, the next year or two, we're going to continue to see a lot of different impacts across, across the country, across the world of how AI continues to impact our world. Another really interesting uh, update here that I wanted to share. AI can officially read minds. So in a new groundbreaking research paper by Nature, researchers developed a new AI method called SEBRA, and it stands for something really long and intimidating that I don't fully understand, but I will read it here for you all, uh, which is consistent embeddings of high dimensional recordings using auxiliary variables. Basically what, all, what I understood all of this to mean in this, this very academic ease type uh, language within this study is that they were able to use mach uh, AI machine learning through uh, Dino V2, which is Meta's, um, Meta, you know, which is Facebook, they have, an, you know, an AI um, high computer visualizing platform that they'll use where if you're collecting data, you can, you can upload it into Dino2 and it'll produce a visualization, a computer visualization of that data, right? And so basically what they did in this study is they were capturing a lot of neural and behavioral data from mouse, from a mouse, um, through an experience that it was doing. So this mouse was running through what, what appears to be some type of obstacle course or some type of hallway. And they're capturing a lot of the neural and behavioral data that he's, that the mouse is experiencing as it's going through this, this uh, environment. And then what they did is they took that neural data and then they tried to see if we put it into an AI machine learning model like Dino V2, uh, and you, using our SEBRA model, which, you know, there's a lot of other key steps that I didn't fully understand when I was reading the study, but I would definitely invite anyone who could kind of simplify it for me as, as I was looking at it. But ultimately, what I did understand was the results, right? Which, and, and they posted the results very clearly on their, their page, which I will include in our show notes so that you could see this. But essentially what they found 
when they took those neural and behavioral data, put it into the computer visual and compared it to like what actually happened, they found that the data they used ended up being 95% accurate in terms of the video frame visualizations that that data was able to showcase using AI compared to, again, the, the, what actually happened when the mouse ran through it. So you can see this mouse online, uh, this, uh, this video of where the mouse is running online, like I mentioned. And so that was, I thought, very interesting, a little bit scary. And I think for me, it poses a bigger question that I'm definitely not going to have an answer to at this particular point, but I do think it's something we need to continue to think about, which is we, with things like this, AI is being, now being able to read our minds, AI being continuing to be deeply integrated within the human anatomy, the human body as well, right? We continue to drive to this world where we continue to deeply integrate technology at the pursuit of human performance, in enhancing our overall experience on planet Earth, right? We're, we're doing these things because we believe it's going to make us more efficient. It's going to make us smarter. It's going to allow us to perform more. It's going to allow us to, it's just going to make our overall experience on planet Earth better, right? And oftentimes, I think when we, when we talk about advancing technology and we talk about the quote-unquote doomsday scenario with things like AI, I think oftentimes the picture that is painted is that, that Terminator-type scenario, right? Where it's like the machines end up just outsmarting us, they take over things, and then we have to fight them, and it's like humans versus machines. Honestly, though, I think when I read studies like this where AI can officially read our minds, it also makes me wonder if actually the real thing that potentially might happen is not that the machines end up taking us over or that we have to fight them in this like end of the world type scenario. I actually wonder if it's more the scenario of over time, decade over decade, when we look up in a hundred years, there just exists this whole new type of, I don't even know if we would call it a human, but a, a being which has a human physiology like we do, but has a lot of these like technological augmentations, right? Has things like microchips in our brains or metal arms or some of these weird things that we have that make us stronger, make us smarter, make us uh, all of these different things that overall enhance kind of some of the limitations that our physical bodies might have. And I, you know, I'm really, you know, for any of my, my sci-fi fans, uh, fans out here, I'm really thinking too about a lot of recent media, which have, have maybe brought up the same idea things such as there's a TV show on Netflix called Altered Carbon, which really gets into this. There's a video game that really gets into this called cyberpunk, which very similar talks about, you know, the, the world, I think it's like 400 years from now and how we're really, really leveraging a lot of these technological augmentations. And more and more, when I read some of these things, I start to think that that that's maybe the path that we're starting to walk down right now. And I think a question that I would start to think about, I don't, and I think this is something that we're going to have to do a lot of follow conversations on. I don't have an answer for this question right now, but it's something that I'm thinking a lot about is, you know, is there a point in that process and that, you know, evolution or devolution, depending on what side you stand, where we no longer are human, right? We're no longer humans. And the thing that kind of makes us tick right now, the thing that has allowed us to achieve so much is, does some of that become lost along the way if we start to change our anatomy, change the way that we think, change all these things using technology that now becomes a part of us in a, in a, in a, in a deeper way than it even is right now. And so, like I said, we're going to have to talk a lot more about that. I would invite you to check out the study uh, for, you know, this Sebra article and, you know, what's coming up there. I'd also invite you to check out more 
you know, about the, the check piece. And I'm going to link those in our show notes so you can check both of those out. Um, as always, you know, let me know what you think and any reactions that you have to some of the updates that I've shared with this episode. Uh, but that being said, let's jump into to the meat of the episode here. It's been a while since I've showcased an AI tool on an episode. And, you know, in the last few weeks here, given that GPT-4, which is the newest large language model by OpenAI that came out. Originally, we were messing around with GPT 3.5 on ChatGPT and GPT 4. There's a lot of studies that I've highlighted in previous episodes that, that have shown that overall, this thing is just supposed to perform better, right? It's supposed to be smarter, supposed to do better on, you know, things such as standardized tests as an example than its uh, prior um, predecessor did, GPT 3.5. So I was just curious to see how it would do if I pressure tested it. So I, just to give you a sense of how this conversation piece worked and as a part of my interview here. So for the purposes of the conversation, what I did is I crafted a series of questions just like I would with any guest that would come onto the AI education conversation. And I first then let GPT-4 know. So I didn't do a lot of prompting. I tried very hard not to do a lot of like over prompting to suggest what I wanted to hear. I really wanted to just understand how it was going to respond objectively, right? Because a big piece of this has we've highlighted and other guests have highlighted is prompt engineering can, you know, be very helpful in enhancing the experience, but it, it can also lead it to kind of give you what you want versus a more objective answer here. Um, and so I did let it, the prompting that I did give was essentially saying, hey, I'd love to, to interview ChatGPT for my podcast. This is what it's about. It's about how AI impacts education. And I will share the response that it provides to even that question so that we can all be on the same page and then I went through and I gave my questions as I would with any other guests and allowed it to respond. Um, that being said, the other piece that is pretty critical to understanding this episode is I did also attach the responses uh, to my questions to a text-to-speech -to voice analyzer that also uses AI. So if you're very curious how this, you know, uh, human-like male voice is able to respond and, you know, this is representing ChatGPT's answers, Interestingly enough, that is also an AI tool that exists out there that we can do a lot more of nowadays where you can kind of write text and you can have like a, a, a type of voice that will respond. So I did use that as well. And the, obviously the intention behind that is for us to be able to showcase the responses to all of you so you can see exactly how GPT-4 responded to this. That being said, ethically though, I want to make sure that I say this because uh, I believe in, you know, the ethics of this. I'm, I'm doing my best to try to be a good steward of this. So I want to just make sure I'm offering this disclaimer as well. ChatGPT is not human, right? And it's not human. It doesn't think like human. It doesn't have feelings, right? None of those things are true. So though I'm using a voice that obviously sounds like a human-like voice, it's not a real person. It's not a real uh, human voice. And I want to just make sure that that's loud and clear. This is a voice that I was able to use using a text-to-speech app, which I will use to showcase the exact responses that it provided. But this is not a human, this is uh, a tool, and I wanna just make sure that that's clear as well. So um, at the end of the interview, I will share some of my responses and, re and reflections about how I receive ChatGPT's responses. Normally, as you all know, I do that at the beginning of interview, but I kinda, I kinda wanted to leave the mystery a little bit in this, this interview. I wanted you to objectively just see the responses first, see how it landed, and then I will share some thoughts at the end of the interview. Um, but again, after you hear this, I'd love to know what you thought about the responses from Chad GPT, GPT-4, uh, in addition to any of the updates I've shared today. Let us know what you think. Twitter, the AI Ed Combo, let us know. Um, with that being said, let's jump on in. 
All right, we're going to start off with a pretty interesting first question to ChatGPT, and we'll see how it responds to this one. So just so you all don't know this too much, because oftentimes when I'm interviewing my guests, you all just see the external of it. But normally what I will do when I have a guest come onto the show is I do also give them an opportunity to think about some of the topics that we dig into collectively. And so I'm going to give ChatGPT the same exact opportunity here. So this is my first question. I'd like to interview you for my AI education podcast where I explore AI and its impacts on educations. What questions would be helpful to ask you? Let's see how it responds. Thank you for inviting me to be a part of your AI education podcast. I'd be happy to help you explore the various aspects of AI and its impacts on education. Here are some questions that you could consider asking me. How is AI currently being used in education? And what are the most promising applications? What are the potential benefits of using AI in education for students, teachers, and educational institutions? How can AI help in personalizing learning experiences for students with different learning styles and needs? What are the challenges and potential drawbacks of implementing AI in educational settings? How can AI be used to improve accessibility and inclusivity in education for students with disabilities? What role can AI play in assisting educators with tasks like grading, lesson planning, and student assessment? How can AI help educators and policymakers identify and address gaps in educational systems? What ethical considerations need to be taken into account when using AI in education? How can we ensure that AI in education is used responsibly and does not exacerbate existing inequalities in the educational system? How can educators and students alike stay up to date with the latest advancements in AI and its applications in education? Feel free to modify these questions or add any additional ones that you think would be relevant for your podcast's audience. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Wow, okay. <laughs> this, this AI just gave me like 10 questions. So I'm definitely, I don't think I'm going to ask it AI to, um, ChatGPT to repeat the answers to all of these questions back to me. But I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to pick three, the three of my favorite questions initially that it, it suggested to me. And I'm going to ask it to respond to those three questions, and then we're going to see how it responds. So let's start with this one. I thought this one was pretty interesting. So one of the questions it asked was, what are the potential benefits of using AI in education for students, teachers, and educational institutions? So we'll start there. The potential benefits of AI in education include increased personalization, improved learning outcomes, more efficient use of teachers' time, and access to resources that might be otherwise unavailable. AI can help teachers identify struggling students, optimize lesson plans, and automate routine tasks, allowing them to focus on more high-value activities. Okay, so I mean that was a pretty interesting response. I will say that in looking at that response, I don't see anything factually wrong with you know, what ChatGPT responded there. I think a lot of even some of the folks we've had on have mentioned some of the same things that increased personalization, obviously making, uh, trying to create added time for teachers is going to be uh, a potential opportunity from this. So it was very interesting to see some of that coming out here. I do think that one thing that is, you know, very clear is that the answer was super concise and there wasn't a lot of examples behind some of this. But again, this is where some of that prompt engineering might allow me to go a little bit deeper, uh, but that's a little bit of my initial reaction to that. I'm going to ask it another question now, and we'll see how it responds to this question. So I'm curious now to see how can AI be used to improve accessibility and inclusivity in education for students with disabilities, which is actually something we haven't talked too much about uh, on this conversation thus far. So let's see what how ChatGPT responds. 
AI can improve accessibility and inclusivity by providing personalized support and accommodations for students with disabilities, such as speech recognition for those with hearing impairments or text-to-speech for those with visual impairments. AI can also help identify and address accessibility barriers within educational content and systems. So again, I'm noticing so far that ChatGPT's response to this question was a little bit concise and punchy as well. Uh, not a lot of specific examples or substance there, but I will say as I'm looking at the response again, I do think some of the the case studies that it, not the case studies, but some of the, the actual um, anecdotes that it suggested for what it could be used, I actually thought they were pretty interesting. So the idea that very initially we could be using AI such as like the, the text-to-speech as to what I'm using in this particular episode, being able to use that and let's say overlaying that with a lot of texts that are being placed into the classroom so that at any given moment, the teacher or another student doesn't have to be the person reading a text or to a student who might be visually impaired, but AI can support with that. I thought that was a pretty interesting um, case study there. I also think the other example it brought up around speech recognition for those with hearing impairment. So in my mind, I'm thinking of it of that as something kind of like those YouTube captions that pop up a lot where they have these like very bold words that go and then it turns different colors when it's when it's speaking them. I think that would be pretty cool and might actually be some really helpful tools in the classroom. I think oftentimes too, just in my experience, those tools um, can be very helpful, but oftentimes they're like very static, right? Currently, they're not something you can use day-to-day every single lesson. It's oftentimes related to like, one or two specific projects where they have like robust content or some tools that fit in, but oftentimes they can be a little static, but some of these AI tools, you can truly like use them and just plug them in with anything. So I do think that's, those are some pretty interesting examples that it did highlight. Um, it is also making me wonder, and again, we, we definitely have to talk to somebody who has more of an expertise here. I'm, I'm really just speaking with my experience. Uh, I'm wondering how it could help, how AI might be able to help specifically with a lot of the, um, the recognition pieces or some of the, you know, oftentimes when you're in the classroom and you have a student who might need modifications or accommodations, you have to go through this process uh, called an ARD. I forget what it stands for, but it's kind of like this conference that happens between the family, uh, usually a teacher and usually kind of like a special ed coordinator, or, uh, you know, kind of like had a special ed at a school. And the idea is, is that in those conferences, you will go through and establish some of the modifications and accommodations for students. It is making me wonder how tools like AI might be able to make that process more efficient, maybe maybe making testing for SPED type services more efficient or being able to recognize supports that students need that our current practices aren't able to do. So it's definitely got my mind working about that. So again, pretty interesting response. My initial reaction though is it is a little bit short and I'd love a, just a little bit more, more substance there. So let's actually ask our ChatGPT friend here one more of the questions that it asked us based on the initial response that we got. And then let's see how it responds to this question. So one of the last questions that it asked that I actually thought was a pretty interesting question was the ninth one that it posed. It posed 10 questions. So the ninth one was, how can we ensure that AI in education is used responsibly and does not exacerbate existing qualities, existing inequalities in the educational system. And, uh, you know, this is something that a couple of the school leaders I spoke to have brought up on prior episodes, right, about being really concerned that AI might end up uh, reinforcing some of the status quo inequities that we have in education where, you know, affluent school districts 
you know, use this technology heavily, really prepare students in those contexts, and then lower income school districts don't have that same opportunity. So I'm very curious to see how ChatGPT responds to this question. Let's see what it's got for us. Ensuring responsible use of AI in education involves addressing the digital divide, implementing data privacy measures, and creating frameworks for transparency and accountability. Collaboration between educators, policymakers, technology providers, and other stakeholders is crucial for creating and implementing guidelines that prevent the exacerbation of existing inequality. Yeah, I mean, so similar to the other responses we've had thus far, when I look at the response, I mean, I think it's 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 a decent response in terms of the substance that it's providing, um, but I notice it's, it's just really concise, right? It doesn't include a lot of examples. It just kind of is very factual of, this was your question, here's the answer, right? And one thing, though, that I would I would definitely just affirm with what I saw is, I mean, I do I do fundamentally agree with what how ChatGPT responded to this question. I do think one of the biggest things we need to be doing across the country, across the world to prepare for a world with AI and ensuring that we're using it responsibly to ensure that inequalities don't become exacerbated is through collaboration and between a lot of the stakeholders that it named, educators, policymakers, technology providers, and other folks kind of within this, such as, you know, politicians, um, ed tech folks. And so fundamentally, I mean, I, I think we are in alignment there. I mean, that's one of the big reasons I started this podcast is to be able to create space for us to be able to do this. So I will give it some points there in terms of providing that. I think what would be very interesting to see, though, is how this tool might actually be able to help us create a framework or to take very concrete steps to be able to create meaningful collaboration across all of those groups, as I've mentioned on this, on this uh, podcast many times. That is one of the challenges that I've noticed across education in my time here is that there's, it's just very siloed. And so being able to come up with a very systematic plan for how we can create the conditions for collaboration across all of those groups, I think is going to be very critical for Im implementing AI in a very inclusive and meaningful way. And I do actually wonder how ChatGPT or other AI tools might be able to really help us co-create a framework to be able to do that. And so I'm not going to do that pressure that I'm not going to dig deeper into that just yet, but I, I am going to start to pressure test these questions further. I really want to see what this can do. So let's dig a little bit deeper now. So one of my most popular podcast episodes is, is the one where I share my own thoughts on in a world of AI, what, what should schools be teaching students? And I'm curious to know what ChatGPT thinks schools should be teaching students in a world of AI. So let's see how it responds. In a world increasingly driven by AI and technology, schools should focus on teaching students a combination of technical, cognitive, and socio-emotional skills to help them adapt and thrive. Some essential skills to consider include digital literacy. Students should be comfortable with various digital tools, platforms, and technologies. Understanding how to navigate, evaluate, and create content in digital environments is crucial. Computational thinking. Schools should teach the basics of programming, algorithmic thinking, and problem solving. These skills will help students understand and interact with AI and other emerging technologies. Data literacy. Students should be able to understand, analyze, and interpret data, as well as recognize the ethical implications and potential biases in data-driven decision-making. Critical thinking. 
The ability to analyze, evaluate, and synthesize information from various sources will be invaluable in a world where AI and automation can generate vast amounts of data and content, creativity and innovation. As AI takes over more routine tasks, human creativity will become increasingly important. Schools should encourage creative thinking, experimentation, and problem-solving to prepare students for future jobs that demand innovation adaptability and resilience. Students should learn how to be flexible and adapt to change. As AI and other technologies will continue to transform industries and the job market, emotional intelligence, the ability to understand, manage, and express emotions, as well as empathize with others, will remain a crucial human skill in a world of AI. Developing emotional intelligence will enable students to work effectively in diverse teams and navigate social situations collaboration and teamwork. As AI becomes more integrated into the workplace, the ability to collaborate and work in teams will be even more critical. Schools should emphasize the importance of effective communication, negotiation, and conflict resolution. Ethics and responsible AI use. Students should be educated about the ethical implications of AI, including issues like privacy, bias, and transparency. They should learn how to use AI responsibly and advocate for equitable and inclusive AI policies. Lifelong learning. With the rapid pace of technological advancements, the ability to learn and adapt throughout one's career will be essential. Schools should instill a mindset of continuous learning and curiosity in students to prepare them for the changing world. Wow. <laughs> I, I gotta say, I'm a little bit surprised at the depth of the response for that question relative to some of the other questions that I've asked thus far. And as I'm looking across the 10 different skills that it has named, I got to say, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty much in agreement. I mean, a lot of these things were some of the things that I highlighted in some way on that episode I did where I shared my own personal opinions on the types of skills students should be learning. I think what's interesting, though, about the 10 skills that they named is I did see that there was some very technical more computer-facing type skills, things such as digital literacy, and I think there was one around the use of AI, being able to use AI, how did they describe it? Computational thinking. So schools being able to teach the basics of programming, those things. I do feel like there also exists kind of this very natural, almost Venn diagram type uh, framework that, that can even be overlaid with these 10 specific skills where it feels like there's some things that AI technology and technology in general could actually be really lean into teaching students they're then on the very other side of this Venn diagram or the spectrum exists, the things that we as educators, we as humans should be teaching our young people to do really well, things such as collaboration and teamwork, things such as adaptability and resiliency, some of those very, very critical interpersonal skills, which I absolutely agree with. Um, it's, uh, another one that it named is lifelong learning, which I absolutely agree with. I think we need to reframe the system so that we start to really showcase to students that Learning doesn't just happen inside the classroom. You need to be learning all the time. You need to be excited and love learning. You need to be wanting to grow all the time and be excited by learning new things, be curious, be asking questions. And I do think that that is something that humanity can very much teach students and we can get back to uh, within school. There's so many fantastic educators already doing this in their classroom every day. But I think I do think that in an emphasis or an investment in teaching some of these more mundane things that come up that we've already mentioned in a lot of episodes, things such as, you know, being able to scale back on the time grading takes, the time assignment scaffolding takes, some of those things and allowing AI to be able to do that, and being able to really lean into just good, meaty conversations and collaboration. 
uh, that that feels to me like where we would really lean it. And then it, somewhere in the middle there, I think exists a lot of things where it's a bit of both. And uh, that I think makes a very interesting just sense of how we might be able to work together. Things such as digital literacy and computational thinking, uh, creativity and innovation actually is, is one of the other ones. Creativity and innovation, I do think some of that might actually be taught by AI in the sense that you could be you could be asking very thoughtful prompts and questions and be getting some responses from ChatGPT or another chatbot, and it might actually propel your thinking further, right? It may give you some other ideas that may help to spark a new idea for you. So I kind of see that as something in the middle where it might actually be a really interesting practice that we start to teach our students where we're kind of teaching them how to kind of do coaching for themselves, right? Being a thought partner to themselves using AI. And it creates this very interesting dynamic where if now as a student, you can be very thoughtful about asking the right questions, thinking in a lot of different ways, pushing back, using the feed, the information you're getting to think even more critically about ideas, using it to pressure test your ideas, using it to think about a lot of different situations or scenarios. I do see a world where you can very much increase your creativity, your innovation, uh, even if naturally those things don't feel like they come to you. I, I think of those things more as a muscle personally, and I think everybody's very creative and innovative in the right circumstances. And I can very much see how AI could be a very helpful tool in those use cases. So yeah, I'm, I, I gotta say I'm very impressed with the response. I think the only thing that I might say is missing from here compared to the, the episode that I shared, which, and I, I would say that this still holds true. I think this is really important is I'd love to see a re-energized focus on civic education in schools related to re, you know, reinvesting in our democracy, really reinvesting in uh, the democratic process um, and really teaching our young folks to the pieces of that process and getting invested. Big shout out to Spencer Burroughs. I know he's a listener of the show and he's been on some previous episodes or a previous episodes, I should say, where we talked to him and he's, you know, he's doing a lot of great work on this front in his classroom. And so I, I, I do think that there exists an opportunity to uh, do some civic education in this as one. I do think a lot of that is going to be human-driven, not AI-driven. Let's uh, jump to another question now. So anyone who's listened to the AI Ed Convo for a few episodes now knows that this has been a topic that's brought up on a couple of prior episodes around the potential negative uh, technological trajectory of AI, very similar to what has happened with cell phones and social media where yeah, there's been a lot of good things that have happened, but there's been also a lot of bad things in particular for our young people, our students, um, and in particular around their mental health and their attention span. And so a question that I, I'm going to ask ChatGPT now is this, and this is my exact question. One concern I've heard from listeners on my podcast is around the negative impacts cell phones and social media have had on our students' mental health and attention span. Will AI have, have a similar impact are there lessons learned from those examples we can implement so it doesn't happen again? Let's see how ChatGPT responds to this. It's important to acknowledge that AI, like any technology, can have both positive and negative impacts on mental health and attention span, depending on how it's designed, implemented, and used. The lessons learned from the effects of cell phones and social media can indeed help us navigate potential pitfalls while integrating AI in education and daily life. Some key lessons and strategies to prevent negative impacts include Encourage responsible use Educators and parents should promote responsible use of AI-driven applications and devices Setting guidelines and limits to ensure a healthy balance between technology use and other essential activities 
like face-to-face -face interactions, physical activity, and rest. Design for well-being. Developers should prioritize user well-being when creating AI-powered tools, incorporating features that promote positive mental health, prevent addictive behaviors, and support focus and productivity. Focus on meaningful connections. AI can be harnessed to facilitate more meaningful connections between people rather than driving them apart. For instance, AI-driven platforms could help students collaborate on projects or connect with peers and mentors who share similar interests, foster digital citizenship. Educators should teach students how to navigate the digital world responsibly and safely. Understanding the potential impact of their online actions, managing their digital footprints, and discerning credible information from misinformation. Prioritize privacy. AI-driven tools should be designed with privacy in mind, and educators must ensure that students' data is protected. Understanding the implications of data collection and use can help students make informed decisions about their digital lives. Equip students with coping skills. Schools should help students develop skills to cope with the challenges of living in an increasingly connected and AI-driven world, such as stress management, mindfulness, and time management. Raise awareness about mental health. Encourage open conversations about mental health and the impact of technology on well-being. And provide resources and support for students who may be struggling. Monitor the impact. Regularly assess the impact of AI-driven tools on students' mental health and attention span to identify potential issues early on and adapt strategies accordingly. Involve stakeholders. Include educators, parents, students, and mental health professionals in conversations about AI's integration into education and daily life, ensuring diverse perspectives are considered when making decisions. By keeping these lessons in mind, we can work together to ensure AI is used in ways that support students' mental health and well-being while minimizing potential negative effects on their attention span and overall well-being. Yeah, very similar to the last response. I mean, I got to say I'm pretty impressed with the overall breadth of the response that ChatGPT offered here. I think there was a couple of key lessons and strategy that really stood out to me. I think specifically one of the ones it gave was designed for well-being, and I do think that needs to be a critical lesson that education tech companies, you know, techno, uh, AI model companies like OpenAI, Google, these big tech companies, I'm hoping we'll take the, that lesson. And I think we in education need to be making sure that we're advocating for this across schools. I mean, I mean, schools, they have, they have been the front lines of seeing how awful the smartphone epidemic has gotten with students. I mean, I was just the other day, I was watching a video where a teacher was trying to teach the class, he ended up taking a cell phone away from a student who, you know, because he was trying to teach a lecture and the student ended up macing the teacher. And so, I mean, that's how bad it's gotten in terms of our students' addiction to these phones. They can't even be one minute without, you know, looking at their phone, trying to get that dopamine just fix and being a part of it. And so I do think it is absolutely essential that as we design capabilities for AI, we are making sure that these are, very user-friendly, but also that they are not very addictive and that they promote positive mental health as much as they can. They prevent those addictive behaviors. They support focus and productivity, exactly as I think ChatGPT described. So that one really resonated with me. I think there's a lot of work to do there, and I'm hoping that we in education can really advocate for this, and ed tech companies in particular will respond with that. I think some of the other ones that stood out that ChatGPT mentioned was you know, equipping, equip students with coping skills felt like one that stood out to me. I think that we as a society, like just at least in my experience, my educational experience going through K to 12 compared to what I think a lot of students are going through now, I do think a lot of teachers and a lot of schools are doing a much better job at 
really teaching students some of those soft coping skills. There's been a, a much more of an emphasis on mental health and talking to students about some of those things that can be helpful things such as breathing, things such as meditation, things such as uh, little, little small activities that you can do to like really get your mind off of anxiety and some of those ne negative mental health depression, some of those things that might come up. And so I think the more we can emphasize that in schools and really teach our students how to be self-aware, how to, how to check in with themselves and monitor how they're doing, I do think that that's going to be an increasingly important skill set to have in just a very high technology world, regardless of whether it's AI or with other tools. So that, that one also really stood out for me as well. Um, overall, I think some of the, the response felt pretty sound for me. I think, again, I'd be very curious to really dig into all 10 of the, or all nine of the responses that are provided uh, to understand more, to dig into it further, to do some of that work. But I do think it's a, it's a pretty sufficient response. And there's a lot of things here of, you're an education strategic, you're somebody who's interested in creating tools like AI and thinking about how to receive AI. I think there's a lot of really good initial uh, topics here to ask a lot of questions on and to continue to form our own opinions as to what we need to be prioritizing, what we need to be advocating for. So in that way, I think ChatGPT has done a great job in this response to give me a lot of things to think about to probe on further, to ask more follow-up questions so I can continue to mold my own definitions about some of the things that I think we could be doing to strategically uh, ensure that AI technology doesn't become addictive, doesn't uh, hinder us like some of these other things have done before. So I will, I will give it a, a point for the response on this one. Uh, we're going to jump to another question now and let's see how it responds to this question. So here's a quick caveat for this next question. So GPT-4, and we've, we've talked a little bit about this before in prior episodes, but just anyone who hasn't used some of these chatbots before, if you, you need a little bit of context, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just explain it for everyone here. So how some of these chatbots work, right? There's some of them out there like the Bing chatbot. You have Bard, um, which is Google's like kind of chatbot. Now, the difference between uh, Bing's and Bard versus um, GPT-4, the big key difference is that the... BARD and Bing are connected to the internet, which means that they have up-to-date information as of like today to be able to respond in a very similar format to ChatGPT and some of the responses you all have been listening to thus far. It, it, it operates essentially the same way, um, but with, again, the, the technology of the internet. The difference with GPT-4 is it's actually only operating with a database of information up to 2021. Now, that's, that's obviously a massive, massive uh, pool of information. Obviously, a lot of these responses that it's been providing thus far are still even applicable today. And so in that, from that regard, it's doing a pretty good job. But I was kind of curious to pressure test that. So uh, we'll see how it responds to my next question. So I wanted to actually let ChatGPT know and, and see how it might respond based on this information. So this is my next question. I asked ChatGPT, it is currently the year 2023, FYI. <laughs> and AI now is actually much more mainstream then your current database. Um, people are starting to use AI tools and talk about AI a lot more. As AI starts to become more mainstream, what steps would you recommend educators and schools take first to ensure AI has a positive impact on schools? So let's see how it responds to this question. As AI becomes more mainstream in 2023, it's essential for educators and schools to take proactive steps to ensure AI has a positive impact on education. 
Here are some recommendations. Develop a strategic plan. Schools should create a comprehensive plan that outlines their vision and goals for AI integration, identifies areas where AI can have the most significant impact, and establishes a timeline for implementation. Invest in training and professional development. Educators should have opportunities to learn about AI and its applications in education, including how to use AI-driven tools effectively, how to adapt their teaching practices, and how to address potential ethical concerns. Prioritize equity and inclusivity. Schools should strive to ensure that all students have access to AI-driven tools and resources. Taking steps to address the digital divide and considering the needs of students with disabilities or from disadvantaged backgrounds. Encourage collaboration and sharing. Schools can benefit from sharing best practices, resources, and experiences with AI implementation. Establishing partnerships with other schools, technology providers, or research institutions can support knowledge exchange and collaborative problem-solving. Foster a culture of innovation and experimentation. Encourage educators to experiment with AI-driven tools and approaches, providing support and resources for piloting new ideas, evaluating their impact, and scaling successful initiatives. Focus on ethical and responsible AI use. Educators in schools should be aware of the ethical implications of AI, including issues like privacy, bias, and transparency. Developing guidelines and policies around responsible AI use can help ensure the technology is used in ways that align with the school's values and mission. Evaluate and assess AI-driven initiatives. Regularly evaluate the effectiveness of AI-driven tools and approaches, collecting data on their impact on student learning and well-being. Use these insights to inform decision-making and refine the school's AI strategy. Engage stakeholders in AI conversations. Include educators, students, parents, and community members in discussions about AI's role in education, ensuring that diverse perspectives are considered when making decisions about AI implementation. Stay up to date on AI advancements. Schools should monitor the latest developments in AI research and technology, updating their strategic plans and adjusting their practices as needed to stay at the forefront of educational innovation. Cultivate a growth mindset. Encourage students and educators to embrace a growth mindset and view AI as an opportunity to learn, grow, and adapt. By focusing on continuous improvement and learning from challenges, schools can better position themselves to harness AI's potential for positive impact. By taking these steps, educators and schools can proactively work to ensure that AI has a positive impact on education and helps create more engaging, personalized, and effective learning experiences for all students. I mean, I got to say, I'm looking at this response again, and I know that some of these most recent responses, I've noticed that ChatGPT all of a sudden is giving really, really uh, thorough responses with a breadth of different solutions to that, which I, I, I mean, I, as, a, as someone who's reading these responses, I really appreciate that because it's giving me so many questions that I'm thinking about that I would actually love to follow up on with ChatGPT to answer it further. So an example of that would be the first reason that it gave was developing a strategic plan that schools could create, which outlines their vision and goals for AI integration, identifies area where it could be most significant in a timeline. Like if, if I were a school leader right now and I saw, I saw this response, I mean, what I would probably do is ask it next, okay, can you actually tell me from your perspective, what are five uh, very important components of a strategic plan that you know incorporates AI that you would recommend that I have in the strategic plan? Based on that, I would also say, what are five questions in my strategic plan, you would encourage me to think about and have answers to who were some of the key stakeholders that I should have actions for within the strategic plan. I would ask a multitude of different questions to have a really comprehensive strategic plan. I would even then ask it, hey, based on all of the things that I just asked you, so you, you mentioned to me that these are five very important components in a strategic plan. 
You mentioned to me that these are five questions I should probably address. You mentioned to me that I should appeal it for a parent group, a student group, a teacher group. Next thing I would ask you to do, I would say, okay, based on everything I just told you, I want you to write it for me. And again, I, I, I would take that rough draft. I would then look it over myself. I would probably make a lot of adjustments based on what I think actually is going to land in my school and where it maybe is not lacking substance. And then I would probably put it in front of my leadership team or another group of folks that are invested in this and start to get some feedback, start to see if we can build that out. I think that feels like a really great first step. And I'm hoping that a lot of schools actually take and school districts take that step this summer of going beyond just creating an academic merit policy for AI and actually start to develop really meaningful strategic plans about how we are going to, and philosophies around how we are going to implement or not implement these tools, what are our guardrails around where we ultimately believe that they are useful versus where they're not. So that feels like a really great next step. There was a lot of steps that actually really stood out to me in that last response. I think another one that really stood out to me was this idea of fostering a culture of innovation and experimentation. I mean, I, I would agree. I mean, I think that's huge. So in any school, as we know, or in a, especially in education, what's so critical when you're trying to get something implemented is you need to have what's like what's called like your champions, right? You need to have those people who you get on your team, you're, you're kind of early adopters who, if you're trying to drive a new policy or change within a school environment, you obviously will introduce it, but then you start to build relationships with the key folks. And then as those folks start to have wins, you really elevate those wins, you share those within the school community. And then they start to share their wins now to the, to the relationship groups. And then it starts to spread a little bit more as you have advocates who are kind of on your team and help you to do that. So, I mean, I really like something. The last one that really stood out to me was this idea of cultivating a growth mindset. I love the idea that there's like a social emotional component to some of these pieces that it offered, even, even saying here that it believes that as a part of implementing AI in schools in 2023, we also need to ground ourselves in social emotional skills. The biggest one being growth mindset. And I do think that will land that, messaging will land really well with schools to say, hey, uh, we actually, as a part of our larger belief that learning is critical, we need to develop our students for the world that they are going to be a part of in the future, not the world that exists now. And one of those essential skills that's always going to be important is having that growth mindset where we celebrate the small wins. Every single day we work on laying the laying a brick, right? We, we try to be 1% better every single day. And we now believe AI can be a mechanism to to support this broader approach of having this growth mindset. I think that's a great way to go about it as well. And so I generally, again, I'm looking at this response and I'm like, wow, this is a great, this is a great starting point. This is a great talking point to bring into a team meeting and saying, hey, these are 10, 10 reasons that came up. Let's talk about these things. Let's, let's get into a deeper conversation based on some of these topics that were just brought up. So I continue thus far to be pretty impressed by some of the responses that it has brought up. And let's let's now jump into. Another question, this is actually going to be the last question I ask it, and very similar to uh, a lot of the episodes I have guests on, as you all know, I usually will ask them using AI technology and thinking about just some of the challenges that exist in our education system, which challenges would you recommend AI and try to support first? Now, I got to say, when I asked that question first, it gave me a really, really lengthy response. And what I'll do is in the show notes, I will post the like actual uh, physical responses for all of these if you want to see all of the specific tests. But what I ended up doing just for for the kindness on your on your ears as you're going through so you're not getting bombarded with like a thousand words is I then asked it to, with the 10 issues it gave me, because it gave me 10 issues initially, 
And then I said, well, based on your knowledge, like what would you prioritize first? Of those 10 issues, which one would you prioritize first? So the answer I'm gonna share with you is actually the answer where it prioritized one answer specifically as like the first thing it would try to address with AI technology and then why it would do so. What was its rationale for doing so? So I'm gonna share that answer now and we'll see, we'll see what comes up here. While it's challenging to pinpoint a single issue to prioritize, given the complex and interconnected nature of the challenges facing public education systems, a strong case can be made for focusing on personalized learning first. The rationale behind prioritizing personalized learning is as follows. Addressing diverse needs. Public education systems often serve a diverse range of students with varying abilities, backgrounds, and learning preferences. Personalized learning enables educators to tailor instruction and resources to each student's unique needs, ensuring that everyone receives the support they require to succeed, closing achievement gaps. Personalized learning can help close achievement gaps by identifying struggling students early and providing targeted interventions, resources, and support. This approach can mitigate the risk of students falling behind and help them reach their full potential. Promoting engagement and motivation. Personalized learning can increase student engagement and motivation by offering relevant, meaningful, and challenging learning experiences. When students feel connected to the content and can see its value, they are more likely to be invested in their education. Maximizing learning outcomes. By catering to individual strengths and weaknesses, personalized learning can improve learning outcomes for all students, leading to better academic performance and greater long-term success. Efficient use of resources. Personalized learning can help schools and educators use their resources more efficiently by identifying the most effective strategies and interventions for each student reducing the need for a one-size-fits-all approach. Foundation for other improvements. Personalized learning can serve as a foundation for addressing other challenges in the education system. For example, it can help educators identify and address accessibility issues, support professional development, and facilitate more effective communication with families. By prioritizing personalized learning, public education systems can create more equitable and effective learning environments that cater to the diverse needs of their students. As AI technology continues to advance, AI-driven tools and platforms can play a crucial role in enabling and scaling personalized learning initiatives. All right, that was a very interesting response and very similar to the last set of maybe about four questions I asked. Overall, I was really impressed with, with, I was really impressed with what ChatGPT offered there. So just in case it wasn't totally clear, like I mentioned before in the initial response, ChatGPT, when I first asked the question about if you could solve one issue and, and you know, one educational equity, what would you solve? ChatGPT offered 10 different categories. It would offer things such as early intervention, accessibility and inclusivity, teacher support and workload reduction, professional development and training, resource allocation, bridging the digital divide, enhancing parent engagement. To be honest, I really liked all of these. Culturally responsive education, bias reduction. The one it ended up picking, though, when I asked it to just pick one and focus on that, was personalized learning. And how it categorized that was that AI can help create personalized learning experiences tailored to individual student needs, preferences, abilities, ensuring that all students receive the, the support they need to succeed. Um, and you know what I found really interesting about the justification there is, and, and again, you, can, you heard the response, so clearly you kind of saw how it walked through, but it really describes a few key reasons as to why it would be really critical. It described addressing diverse needs, closing achievement gaps, promoting engagement and motivation, maximizing learning outcomes, efficient user of resources. And this, this was the reason I actually found the most interesting, which was foundation for other improvements, right? So being able to use this, 
this problem and being able to solve it with AI or being able to at least very much remedy and, and start to personalize education much more significantly for our students and being able to use that as a foundation to solve other challenges. I thought that was just such an interesting way to, to look at it. The reason I'm also pointing that out is I got I to gotta be honest. In the last couple of weeks, I've been listening to a lot of other podcasts that have been talking about chatbots and a lot of other uh, folks that you know were kind of like somewhat somewhat scientists within the field and things like that. And they, oftentimes, I mean, they've said recently that they think chatbots are like kind of glorified summary machines, or you know that that's kind of their uh, piece. And I gotta say, I mean, I, I do I do understand the the perspective there of like they do a lot of summarizing, which I actually don't think is a bad thing because in a world where we just have so much information that's out there, having tools that actually can summarize things, I don't think is a bad thing. But when I see a reason like that, which is like foundation for other improvements, and it kind of walks through that, I got to say, there's a little bit of original thinking there, right? It's There's a little bit of long-term thinking there, where it's taking some initial justifications. And it's also now thinking ahead. And just as somebody who, like, if I was really trying to approach this as like, okay, I'm going to use AI, try to prioritize within one issue today in my school, I just kind of appreciate some of that long-term thinking as well. And it does show me that this is a lot more than just, again, what we've what some folks may be describing it as like a summary machine. I mean, I, I don't think it's just that. I think there's there's a lot more uh, intellect within this tool that is very, very helpful, I think in, in particular for educators to use it as a sounding board, to use it as a thought partner. Now, that being said, I the, the other thing, just like my overall uh, reaction to the problem that it picked and the rationale, personalized learning, I mean, I have to agree. I think if, if, uh, if we were able to solve or at least significantly improve personalized learning in the world we're in today, that would actually be tremendous. Uh, a lot of the school leaders and teachers I've talked to across Massachusetts and with some of my friends in Houston, man, being in a school right now is really rough post-pandemic. There's, there's kids with so many diverse needs. Needs have been exacerbated post-pandemic. I mean, we, you know, we just got done uh, doing a bunch of different college visits and things like that. And I've had some conversations with some school leaders and just a lot of the behaviors right now that students uh, are acting like and interacting with each other like are just very un very uh, underdeveloped for their age, given where current other sophomores, juniors, seniors, how they might have been engaging with each other pre-pandemic. And again, I say this just to say that I think we're entering a really critical moment in education where we're not going to be able to just brush under the rug so many of the things that have happened during the pandemic, and we're not out of it yet. I mean, I know obviously a lot of these things have, a lot of the mask mandates and all those things have obviously gone away. You know, we it's no longer a federal emergency, all those things. Yeah, fair enough. But in schools, it's it's tough right now, and it continues to be tough, and kids have so many differing needs. And if we're able to use AI technology like ChatGPT has identified only knowing a, a little bit of what happened during the pandemic, because again, this is this knowledge base is up to 2021. It doesn't even have the knowledge as of today. Uh, I do agree that if, if we're able to really hyper-personalize the learning and use tools, I think that's going to help so much, especially to catch up some of our students who may need additional supports that they weren't able to get those two years when they were doing a lot of virtual things with, you know, no accountability, hyper-connected to smartphones and laptops, and then being asked to go back into schools where there's a lot more structure, routines, accountability, and just seeing how a lot of students are not responding too great to that, I do think there's a big opportunity to 
try to personalize learning further. I don't think that AI is going to be able to completely solve that problem. I also just think on the very other end of the spectrum, I think that a lot of exposure opportunities, in my opinion, is what's going to be needed right now. We need to get kids on field trips, seeing new places. We need to get them into sports. We need to get them into extracurricular activities. We need to get them into those very, very critical things that they didn't get a, an opportunity to do a lot of when they were engaging virtually, because those are going to be the spaces too, where they're going to be uh, kind of rapidly improving on their interpersonal skills with each other, taking risks, feeling uncomfortable, growing. And I do think that, that is, there, there needs to be a very heavy dosage of that as well within schools. And we need to even double down, triple down on that in schools as well. But I just appreciated the context of how it approached this last question and how it was thinking about it in terms of the personalized learning piece. And I know that since obviously this 2021 and since in the last couple of months, there have been a lot of companies who have attempted to create experiences, devices, technology, resources using AI that is hoping to make learning more personable. So I hope that they're successful for the reasons that I've just mentioned. But well, that being said, I mean, that, that pretty much covers some of the questions that I offered this time. As always, I'm going to post some of these screenshots in the tw uh, Twitter, um, AI Ed Convo on Twitter. So if you are curious to even just be able to read those as you're listening um, or you want to re-listen to some of the responses, would definitely invite you to do so. Feel free to, again, to share some of those reactions with me on Twitter. Always very curious to see what you said. Overall, though, I, I would say just my general takeaway from doing this experience is man, I continue to just be cautiously optimistic about AI. I, I just... There's just so many ways that I think as someone who's in education that I think this can help us, even if it's just, again, as a thought partner, as a sounding board. I mean, with everything that I've just learned today with some of these responses, I, I could anticipate so many different conversations I could have had with colleagues in the field based on just some of these responses that would allow us to deepen our own experiences, deepen our own connections, deepen our own thoughts around any of the topics that came up here. And so I really just see this as a tool that can allow us to have some great conversations with each other across the field. Uh, again, it's not gonna solve everything for us. Maybe that's an unrealistic expectation. Maybe we shouldn't be asking it to, but what it does do is pretty good, right? And, and so I really would invite you, if you haven't given a shot already, give it a shot. Start asking it some questions, see how it responds, and then ask follow-up questions because I do think this is a really great tool that uh, can really help us in education. And my cautious belief is that if we're using this, we can we can also use this as a partner in uh, co-creating what our implementation plans might be looking like in the fall so that we are safe, safely using AI uh, within the context of schools and using the information that it does have to get to answers more quickly than if we're trying to do it without this very significant technology. So with that being said, appreciate you for listening. I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the AI Education Conversation. Give a follow, rate, and review wherever you listen. For all show notes and to share your thoughts on today's episode, check out the AI Ed Convo on Twitter. See you next time.